0: So, this morning, um, we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. It'll be on the screen uh, behind me, uh, it'll be on the screen uh, in front of you if you're watching online. Uh, if you've got it with you, you can follow along. Um, I, will, I will just… Uh, this doesn't often happen, but sometimes it does. Um, so, I changed, like, the whole back end of this sermon uh, this morning. Um, and I already have it, like it's locked and loaded on my iPad, and I don't have the ability because I'm not technologically savvy to, uh, to edit. Uh, so I did the edits up here, so if, if at the end you see me struggling and trying to figure out what exactly it was, what <laughs> I want to say, uh, now you know why. Um, so, that'll be fun. I'm kind of nervous. Just wanted to let you know. Um, so, Luke thirteen, ten through seventeen. Before we read it, let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you uh, again uh, for for this time, for this book, for these words, for these stories, for the presence of you Spirit in our lives you allow us to, to hear your voice uh, through these stories, experience your presence. And uh, so we humbly ask for, for that to happen uh, here in these next few moments. Um, and do whatever it is you need to do in us. Uh, we just open us up and ask for you to surprise us in Jesus name amen so the story goes like this on a sabbath on a sabbath jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years she she was bent over couldn't straight, straighten up at all and then when jesus saw her he called her forward and said to her woman You are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! we will go that far so so let's get this straight they're all gathered together in 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 the same place in the synagogue a place that was designated for for worship it's not unlike what we're experiencing here right now in this place everybody has a pretty good idea about about what to expect it's an ordered it's a structured event this thing that we do it's called the liturgy though the work of the people it's intentional there's a sort of there's a sort of rhythm to it there aren't too many things that happen in a place like this that surprise us it's like we come here week in and week out and it's it's kind of it's kind of the same deal there aren't too many surprises but sometimes sometimes i'm getting a surprise right now because someone's calling me and it's potential spam wow that's never happened before right things like Things, things like that never happen. Like we never get surprised in a place like this because it just, it just sort of it happens. It's the same thing every week. Well, maybe there can be surprises on a Sunday morning. Maybe even in a place like this, we too can be surprised. In, even in church, surprising things can happen. So Will Willimon tells this story and. Uh, he likes to tell a story, and I think it's, it's probably my favorite story that he, that he likes to tell. So uh, I'll share it with you. He remembers a new member drive in a church that he was serving very, very early on in his, in his ministry career. Um, and it was a church not unlike ours. It was a small church, and they were thinking about ways in which they could, they could gather more people in order for more people to experience the love of God. So here's what they did. We would never get away with this today. They had a new member drive, and on a Sunday afternoon after church, they sent out people two by two with little maps of the neighborhood and designated areas for them to walk, and they would walk around the neighborhood, and they would knock on doors and invite people to church. Again, you never get away with that today. Well, two women, Helen and Gladys, they took their little map, and they went walking in the neighborhood, and they took a right when they should have taken a left, and they ended up in, in the wrong neighborhood. But when they got back to church, they said that they had discovered a real prospect, like Verlene was her name. And not only did she show up the next Sunday morning, but she also showed up at the Bible study that Will Willimon was teaching himself. And on this particular day, he was teaching about uh, temptation, and he asked this question. And the question was very simple. Have you ever had a time in your life where you resisted temptation with Jesus's help? And most of the answers that people gave were pretty simple. One woman said that she was tempted one time to keep a loaf of bread that the checkout woman had forgot to charge her for. And she resisted that temptation and said, hey, I need to pay for this loaf of bread. And then it was Verlene's chance to chime in and tell a story. She said something like this, a couple of years ago, I was really into cocaine. And you know how that messes your life up. You know how crazy you can get on that stuff. Well, anyway, my boyfriend and I knocked over a, a gas station. We got $200. And then he said, let's go knock over the, the 7-Eleven. And she said, but there was something inside of me that said, no. I knocked over a, a, a gas station, but no convenience stores. And he beat me. And I still said no. And there was something about it that made me feel good that I could say no. It made me feel like like I was somebody. And Will mumbled something like, that's certainly one way to to resist temptation. And then a little way on outside in the parking lot. He was helping Helen, a longtime member of the church, get into her car, and she said, I can't wait to get home and get on the phone and call my friends because your Bible studies used to be so dull. I think we could get a crowd for this one. (laughs) And then reflecting on it later, he, he writes this. Time and time again in our life together, just when we get everything figured out, pews all bolted down and everyone blissfully adjusted to the status quo. God intrudes, inserts someone like Verline, just to remind the baptized that God is large, unmanageable, and full of surprises. Oh. Something kind of like that happened in the synagogue one day when Jesus was teaching. It was the Sabbath. The Sabbath is so important. It's the day when everybody sort of stops all the work they're doing, and they gather together in the same place, and they worship God. So Jesus was in the middle of a lesson. Imagine it. Jesus is in the middle of a lesson, not unlike what's happening right now, in the middle of the lesson. And He sees this woman come in from the back. She's all bent over and so much so that she can't straighten up at all luke tells us so she has this sort of radical curvature of the spine that causes her to be to be bent over made it impossible for her to stand and for 18 long years she was bent over like that unable to look any other human being in the face unable to look anybody In the eyes. It was painful. It was debilitating. It was awkward. Normal everyday things would become super difficult. Things like eating, sleeping, standing, sitting, dressing, you name it, became really, really difficult. So her condition was socially isolating. She was alone, always alone. She doesn't ask for anything. She doesn't ask for a thing at all. She doesn't ask to be healed. All she does is just walk in, and she sits down in the back and starts listening. And Jesus sees her enter the back of the room, sees her bent over back, sees her grimace as she sits down, and it does something to him on the inside. He has compassion. He's moved by what he sees. So he stops teaching in the middle of the lesson, and invites her to to come forward. It takes a while for her to to get there, but when she gets to him, he just simply says to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity, and then he puts his hands gently on her back as if to, to reassure her, no, really, it's okay. It's okay. You can stand up straight now. And immediately, she stands up, and for the first time in 18 years, she looks somebody eyeball to eyeball, face to face. She's got her life back. She experiences compassion and love and the feeling that, oh my goodness, her life really does matter. So she stops right there in the middle of the worship service and starts praising God. Can that happen today? Can, it, can things like that happen today? I think so. I think sometimes, even in church, things like that can happen. Because, as Will Willimon says, God is large, unmanageable, and full of surprises. So stand up. Stand up straight. That depression you've been carrying around for 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 that long period of time, it's, it's got you all bent over inside, it's okay. You can stand up, even if it's just a little. You can ask for help. You can talk about it, especially in a place like this. You can experience freedom from that because God is large, unmanageable, and full of surprises. That guilt that you've been carrying around for so long because you could never measure up to that person your parents wanted you to be, it's got you all bent over inside. You don't have to carry around that guilt anymore. It's okay. You can stand up straight because God is large, unmanageable, and full of surprises, and God loves you just for who you are. That spirit of resentment, that spirit of anger toward that someone you ultimately love, it's got you all bent over inside and it's crippled your relationship. It's okay. You can stand up because God is large unmanageable and full of surprises and god can help you forgive and love again that feeling of self-doubt that feeling of worthlessness that feeling that that your life has no purpose that you are insignificant that's a heavy feeling to carry around and it can get you all bent over inside it's okay you can stand up because god is large unmanageable and full of surprises. And your life is worth a whole lot more than you may know right now. God really does have a purpose for you, to be loved by God and to channel that love through you to your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, to perfect strangers. It's okay. You can stand up, even if it's it's just a little. So then he put his hands on her, and immediately she stood up and experience freedom from what had bound her for so long. But then something curious happens. Something really curious happens. The leader of the synagogue, a good man, a really good man, a man with a great reputation, right? A man who knows all the ins and outs of faith, a man who knows all the right, right things. The leader of the synagogue is startled and a little bit upset by what Jesus has just done. Healing on the Sabbath was wrong. It's against the law. He may have said something like this to the people gathered there. It's one thing to care about the poor and be passionate about helping, helping the marginalized, but, but let's be reasonable here. It's the Sabbath, and work is prohibited. We all know this, and healing is work, just like other things. like." cooking, cleaning, making your bed. We have six days for all that other stuff. This is the Sabbath. This day belongs to God. It's against the law. It's against the rules. Well, now the real lesson's about to begin for this dude. The ruler of the synagogue is about to learn something. You see, for Jesus, human need, human need... Rises above religious laws and customs and traditions. You see, for Jesus, faith and faith practices and everything we believe ought to bring about healing, not to prevent, not to prevent or stand in the way of wholeness. So his response is tough. His response is hard. This isn't gentle Jesus. This is God's man impatient, angry, he's like, you hypocrites, you'd lead a donkey or an ox to water on the Sabbath, but you won't allow this woman who's been bound for 18 years to experience freedom and wholeness? How does that make any sense at all? See, here's what the synagogue ruler didn't realize. This synagogue ruler didn't realize that he was just as stooped over on the inside as this woman was on the outside. He was stooped over, bent over, looking only at the rules and regulations, trying to make himself right and not looking around at the God of compassion revealing himself right in front of him. So before we get any further, I think it's important for us to understand that this isn't an anti-Jewish. This isn't an anti-Jewish story. This isn't even an anti- an anti-Sabbath story, right? This is about the basic meaning of Jewish rules and laws and customs and traditions and our interpretations of them, which means it becomes something about the basic meaning of our rules and our customs and our traditions and our interpretations of the law. You see, the problem with what happened that day in this little synagogue, was that the leader, let's remember, this leader is a really good man, or he wouldn't be the ruler of the synagogue. The problem with what happened was that in the name of God's law, the leader missed an occasion for God's love. In the name of God's law, he missed an occasion of God's love. And that right there is a mistake. Because the law was given as an expression of God's love. It's a gift. It was given to keep the community together and healthy and whole. It was given to keep the community together and individuals healthy. But sometimes, here's the deal. When God's law or our interpretations or our rules, our customs, our traditions are used to prevent an occasion of God's love, might be time for a new interpretation. Might be time for new traditions. Might be time for new customs. And this is something that we've had to do oh so many times over the last 2,000 years, Reinterpret change customs, change the way we think so that we can better express the love of God. And it's always hard, it's always difficult, and it is always, always, always met with all kinds of resistance. And it is. It's hard. And sometimes it takes a long time to change our minds. And this is a hard lesson for us to learn. What we do in here, the kinds of The kinds of songs we sing, the the customs and traditions and programs that we build, even the building itself, even this building itself, it can become an end in itself, right? We want to maintain all these things, and we want to protect all these things. Why? Because we've experienced the love of God through all of them, and that's a significant thing. So this is why it becomes so hard to change because we've experienced the love of God through these things. Even simple things. This is why it's so hard for for churches to change to change music styles or even seating arrangements or put paint on the walls because we've actually experienced the love of God. And if we lose those things or if they change, we think maybe we won't experience the love of God in the same way we did before. And then we make those things the point of what we do. And when we make those things the point of what we do, we can actually prevent others from experiencing the love of God. And when that happens, we become all bent over inside as a community, and and we don't even realize it, just like the ruler of the synagogue. And when we're all bent over looking at those things, we forget to look up in order to look for an occasion of God's love. So, let's not become that kind of place. Because God is too large, too unmanageable, and too full of surprises for us to become a place like that. Are we we willing to be surprised by God? Like, are we we willing to do… A couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation. We just sat around in this room, and we talked. And I think it was good. I think it was really good. It was really good to listen to one another. And we were trying to to come up with ways and things that we can do in order to in order to like do we do things differently in order for us to to reach more and more people. And and we didn't come up with a whole lot of new ideas and, and that's okay. And then the focus team was was sort of reflecting on that conversation that we were having and and I didn't ask for permission, so I'm not going to say who, but one of, one of the focus team members pointed out that, you know what, there are a whole lot of people in our community and groups of people and organizations that have been prevented from experiencing the love of God because of rules and reg- regulations and laws and religious Customs And might we just think about those people? And might it be better, instead of trying to think about what happens inside, we think about what's happening on the outside and connect with some of those groups. So, here's what I'm going to do this week. Tried it last week, but I think some website stuff got in the way and it didn't work. But Here's what I'm going to do. There's an organization in town. I'm going to contact them. And they're not used to having people like us, churches, on their side, asking them if they can come alongside of them. So I'm going to reach out to this organization. I'm going to say, I appreciate you. I love what you do, and I want you to know that that we're on your side. And if there's anything we can do to come alongside of you, um, let us know. I don't know that anything will come of that, but you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And see what happens and trust that something might, because you know what? God is large, unmanageable, and full of surprises. And I'm willing to be surprised again. How about you? Is there anyone in your life you know who may have been prevented from experiencing the love of God because of the laws, rules? Customs and traditions, and our interpretations of those things. Is there anyone you know? Is there any organization you know? Maybe it's time to reach out to those people. Maybe it's time to to let them know that people like us, well, the love of God can flow through us to them. So just think about it because here's the deal God is large can't manage God. God is unmanageable. And God is full of surprises. And I'm just praying and hoping that you spirit will surprise us once again. Let's pray.